Hello campers and welcome again to another episode of Camping Out. As always, I'm Dan Camp and tonight we are talking to someone whose own adventures have been led by his faith in God and love for longboarding, Daniel Herman Jr. In 2018, Daniel set off to cross the United States from Florida to California on his longboard while also spreading the gospel. His intense trust in his faith led him to create bonds with people who he had very little in common with and to bring a bit of joy to the lives of every single person that he interacted with. Whether you're a person of faith or not, there's a lot to learn here from Daniel, so please go ahead, get cozy, get ready for the story of Daniel Herman Jr. Welcome to Camping Out. I'm Dan Camp, and tonight we're talking to a man who knows a thing or two about adventure, Daniel Herman. In the last few years, it's almost been hard to keep up with everything Daniel has been doing. Most notably, he's made two trips across the United States, one via motorcycle and the other by means of longboard. Driven by his faith, Daniel has touched the lives of many. What kind of adventures are coming next? Daniel Herman, welcome to Camping Out, my friend. Thanks, brother. It's so good to be here. So cool to see you. Um, we met almost six years ago. Tell us where you're at. You got a kind of a unique backdrop tonight. I'm actually sitting in my yurt right now. Um, and I'm just renting it for the month. I was going to rent it for the winter, but it didn't work out in the end. But it's cool because I have a, a better place that I'm going to be going to um, for me in, in this season of life. But um, yeah, I've just, I've been here about a week now and it's probably like 300 square feet, a couple walls. There's a bathroom, bedroom, living room, kitchen, all of the things that I need. And it, it's located in uh, La Center, Washington state. So that's where I'm at boys. <laughs> Have you been affected by the, the wildfires at all? Um, this area did get affected. But I was on a motorcycle trip across America when it was getting smoky. Mm-hmm. So it was perfect timing for me to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting everybody's like Instagram stories and pictures and stuff like, oh, this sucks. And I'm like <laughs> cruising in New Mexico and like Florida, beautiful weather. So. All right. Beating the smoke. Um, yeah. What did you bring for a beverage this evening? I got this Pelican uh, Brewing Company. It's called the Breaker Beak. And it comes in an orange can, and I'm about to open it for y'all right now. Ooh. Ooh. Pretty good? So good. (laughs) I've got a, I made a gimlet for myself with aviation gin, which is uh, Ryan Reynolds brand of gin. Uh, It's essentially a shot and a half, two shots of gin with uh, some lime juice. And I squeezed a little fresh lime in there as well. So a little sipper. That's legit. Uh, Trying, man. This is a, this is a local brewing company around here in the Pacific Northwest. So if you're ever up in this area, you got to check out Pelican Brewery. For the people who don't know you well or know anything about you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, take a couple minutes, tell us who you are, where you're at, and um, like I said, kind of fill in those blanks. All right. Um, Yeah, so my name is Daniel Ray Herman Jr. 
that is how you can find me on Facebook. Um, if you go on Instagram, uh, everyday dot Dan is my handle. So those are the places that you can find me. I am about to turn 26 on the 26th of October. So that's coming up here on Monday. I actually was summoned to jury duty on my birthday. So hopefully they will not have the court thing happen so that I can not have to go in on my birthday, which would be good. So just tell them straight um, up, hey, it's my birthday. I got a dip. I know, right? (laughs) Um, I was born in Michigan and my dad worked at a uh, Christian college up in uh, Dunbar, Wisconsin. That is the same area that I met Dan Camp. And so like years, like 20 years later, uh, we were whitewater raft guides together. And so I was born in Iron Mountain, which was just down the road. That was the closest Walmart when we were whitewater rafting guides. And, um, and then my dad was in the ministry and a pastor and he would move around a lot. So we lived in Southern Wisconsin and then we moved to Northern Illinois and then Western Pennsylvania and then Iowa, Nebraska. Then I went back to that college uh, when I was 18 or 17, actually. And then after three years, uh, that school was so small, um, that it closed down. So then I transferred to a uh, college out in Eastern Pennsylvania called Lancaster Bible college, graduated with a bachelor's degree in intercultural studies, which would be like, um, to do ambassador work or international relations or stuff like that. So graduated, um, my next goal was, well, my next really big goal was to longboard across America while I was in college. Um, and up in Wisconsin, I, uh, it was the day after my, uh, 19th birthday. It was, uh, Sunday, October 27th, uh, 2013, the day after my, uh, 19th birthday. And one of my friends couldn't, drive me back to college. So the only thing, the only means of transportation I had was my feet or my longboard. And so I grabbed the board and I just went like 13 miles that day and I absolutely loved it. And so I started this, um, like passion for long distance longboarding that day. And during that time, um, and I didn't really know what it was going to turn into be, but during that time, um, this little thought came into my head to like, Oh, maybe I could like longboard to green Bay, Wisconsin, or like, or maybe I would go all the way to Milwaukee or Chicago. And then I just Mm -hmm. kept thinking about that as I was longboarding. And I was like, I'm going to go across America. Like, hell, why not? (laughs) And you had this idea in 2013, 2013. Yeah. And so, and that date is significant. October 27th, uh, Sunday, October 27th, 2013, the day after my 19th birthday, that date's very significant to me because that was when the thought popped in my head to longboard across the United States. So fast forward exactly six years later mm-hmm. on a Sunday, October 27th, 2019, the day after my 25th birthday, I had longboarded all the way from Miami, Florida to Huntington Beach, California 
And that day, about the same time that the, the thought popped in my head around 2 p.m. in the afternoon, yeah. I jumped into the Pacific Ocean and finished <laughs> the journey. Exactly six years later on the same day of the week at almost the same hour in time. It was literally down to the same hour six years later that that, that thought turned into a physical reality and was fulfilled. So it was pretty radical how God just like were orchestrated. I just, cause like I'm a man of faith and I totally believe in God because of the things that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And I would pray that he would just allow it to happen in the perfect timing. And I didn't even think about that. The day that I was longboarding to Huntington beach, I was thinking, when did I, this thought pop in my head? I hadn't even thought about it the whole like two, cause it took me two years to go Mm-hmm. from coast to coast. And I, it took me one total year on the actual longboard. And then I took a break for a year. So I did six months, took a break for a year, six more months, and then finished the day after my 25th birthday. And so I feel like God just orchestrated all that and allowed it to happen in the perfect timing, which was nuts. So then right after that, I finished up that trip the day, um, well, so that was coast to coast. Then I continued mm-hmm. traveling up to San Francisco, finally made it to San Francisco on my longboard. And then that was December 7th, December 8th, 2019. I contacted this guy in Portland, Oregon area. He actually lives across the river in Vancouver, Washington, which is where I'm at right now. And I contacted him because he was following my journeys on Instagram. And he was like, bro, you need to come out and visit. And, uh, so I went out there and I, and I was following him, I was following him on my Instagram as well. And I found that he was building tiny houses. So I came mm-hmm. out here cause I was really interested in tiny houses, asked him for a job. He hired me and I've been working for him for, uh, or since January, 2020. And then, uh, COVID hit and we were quarantined and I was living with him. And I saw I was quarantined with my boss and (laughs) I saw this meme. It was like, what would happen if you were quarantined with your boss? I was like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then I continued building tiny houses all the way till August. And Mm. before he hired me, I told him, um, I have, so while I was on the longboard trip, someone gifted me a Harley Davidson and, um, it's probably, it was probably like a $6,000 bike at the time. And so they gifted that to me and that was a pretty radical God experience as well. Um, I was just sitting on his porch and he's like, Hey, do you know anyone that wants to buy a Harley? I was like, bro, I'm so broke. Like, like, you know, I don't even know. He was like, well, give me an offer. And I was like, dude, like, there's no way that I'm going to buy your Harley. And he was like, I'll give it to you for free. I was like, you're not going to give it to me for free, bro. Like, don't do that. He went inside right then, pulled out the motorcycle title, signed it over me right then. His name's Reese Sarkla. So if you want a good friend, look up Reese Sarkla in South Carolina. Oh (laughs) my gosh. He he turns it on, brings it out to the road. And so he's revving it up and he's like, all right, bro. He's like, here, jump on. He's like, you ever ridden a street bike before? Like a Harley like this? And I was like, never. And he was just like, well... You know, just here's the throttle, the clag. Like I had, I knew how to drive a clutch and stick shift and everything. Yeah. So I picked, picked it up like fairly quickly, but, um, he pulled out, he was like, I got a meeting to go to. So I was sitting on his bike and he was like, all right, see you later, bro. I was like, are you serious? He's like, just ride it. Like you stole it. 
<laughs> then he just peeled That's out and I was like just left there alone so I didn't even like know what to do and I almost tipped it over and then I brought it to this parking lot and did a bunch of figure eights for a while yeah. finally figured it out got my motorcycle license so that was actually that uh so I did six months on the longboard then I took a year break during that time that motorcycle was gifted to me. I left it in Wisconsin, flew from Wisconsin back to my, where my longboard was. This is kind of confusing. Back to where my longboard was. Then I longboarded the rest of the way across America up to San Francisco. Then I started working in Vancouver, but the whole time my motorcycle was in Wisconsin. So I wanted to get it back. So I flew back to Wisconsin after working for Matt for seven months. And I told him before he hired me, Hey dude, I want to go on this motorcycle trip. It's going to take me two, three months. So if you're going to hire me, you need to let me do this. Cause I want to do it really bad. And right. I feel like God wants me to do it too. So he's like, all right. So then I flew back to Wisconsin, got on my motorcycle and then took 10 weeks to go from Wisconsin to Dover, Delaware was the farthest East I went. And then Miami, Florida was the farthest South that I went. And then I went to San Diego, the farthest Southwest, and then all the way up to Washington State. So almost the four corners on yeah. Harley. Um, not not quite, but I got pretty close. I clocked uh, 8,500 uh, miles <laughs> on the bike. So it was, it was definitely a long, long journey. Um, and so now I'm here in Washington. And while I was on my motorcycle trip, I was talking to different friends and people were like, dude, what if you found your future wife on this trip or whatever? And we were like joking about that and stuff. Well, sure enough, this girl from Instagram connects me with this girl in Florida. Uh And then we just hit it off. And now we've been dating for about a month and a half. So I found her on my motorcycle trip. So that was radical too. I was like, what the world? But yeah, it was... It was definitely a really good trip. The longboard trip was a lot longer. And Mm -hmm. the motorcycle trip, I went back and saw all the people that I met on the longboard trip and was able to reconnect with all, most of them, um, a second time. So it was so cool seeing all them again. And they were stoked to see me. And then they're like, the next time you got to bring Hannah. So I think the next trip is going to be Han, Dan, and a minivan. (laughs) (laughs) The marketing is already Come on, done boys. for. It. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man, I'm grinning ear to ear just listening to that story. Um, can we rewind for one second and Dude, map rewind. out the uh map out the longboarding trip? So I know you started in Miami. Uh when yeah. you when you had this idea come to fruition in 2013. Yep. Were you did you know like, okay, this is what I want to do, or did you plot that a little bit closer to actually taking off? So from the day that that thought came to my mind, it was exactly, or not exactly, but it was four years later uh, to when I actually started on the longboard journey. Um, so I was planning to do it with, uh, I was serious. Well, a lot of people that I had talked to like for four years about it and a lot of different people along the way were like, bro, I'd love to go with you and mm-hmm. like, or meet up with you or whatever. And so there's probably like, 10 to 20 people that I can't even remember all the people, but that had talked to me or messaged me and said they wanted to do this trip. Well, like just a few months before it was going to happen, um, when it was getting closer. Well, okay. When I graduated college, I just was praying about when I should do my trip. And I felt like God was bringing in my mind. I want you to pay off your school college debt before you go on your trip. Mm. 
So I started praying about that. And I was like, okay, I believe that God like can get me out of debt, you know, a lot quicker than I could. So I was like, God, just help me to get out of debt by the end of the year. And I was praying that for a while. I was like, you know, God can do the impossible. I totally believe that he's done it Mm -hmm. for me before. And I told God, get me out of debt by the end of the day. I had, I had 23 grand when I first started, when I graduated college, I said, get me out of debt by the end of the day. So I prayed that for like a year, get me out of debt by the end of the day. And I just was really consistent in like praying that. And, um, and so after a year I'd paid it from 23 down to 15. So I'd paid eight grand off. So when I had 15 grand at this point, I had been talking to my cousin, Justin Matthews, Mm-hmm. And I was telling him that I wanted to do this longboard trip and he was so stoked about it. He's like, dude, I'm going to come with you and everything. So we started planning this trip together and stuff for a while. And then after like a long time of doing this, he woke up one morning and he was like, Hey dude, I feel like God wants me to pay off the rest of your school debt. And he's wow. like, how much do you have left? And I said, 15 grand. He was like, well, that's how much I have in my savings account. Granted, Justin is only 19 years old at the time. So he had a minimum paying job, minimum wage paying job. He worked for his brother in like this, you know, not the best environment working for your brother sometimes if you don't get along. So sometimes it was really stressful for him. Minimum wage, worked it for like a year and a half, saved up like a lot of money. And he took all of that money from his savings account and in one day paid off my entire debt. So that was the most radical generosity I've ever experienced and ever seen. I've heard of people giving more money than that, but I've never heard of someone who's 19 years old who worked their ass off for a year and a half at minimum wage and then pay for their cousin who's four years older, who went to college and stuff when they could be using it for their own college and then pay off their debt. So that blew me away. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to start this longboard trip. Well, Justin and I, in the end, we wound up parting ways because he just some different things weren't like going super well and stuff. And later on, we wound up figuring it out. And we both were doing things that we shouldn't have been doing just in our relationship. And like the way we treated each other, we both wound up apologizing and stuff. And so we're really good now. And he's one of my closest friends, one of my best friends for sure. And so, but back then it wasn't that way. Sometimes our relationship was really tense and stressful. And so he wound up, you know, paying off that debt. And then I was hoping that he wasn't going to get mad at me. Well, I didn't kick him off the trip. He wound up leaving on his own and he was like, I'm going to go do my own trip. So he went, he ended up doing his own trip and we wound up parting ways. Um, so then I took my car down but my debt was paid off and i was super like thankful for that and he also was still very convinced in his mind that that was the thing that he should have done and that's the one thing that i've always appreciated about justin is that he's never joked about or like he's a very sarcastic person a funny person he jokes about a lot of stuff he's never once joked about regretting giving me that 15 grand because he was very convicted that god wanted him to do that Mm -hmm. so that was really cool anyways Um, I drove by, uh, at the time I had a Toyota Corolla 2004 and I drove it down to Miami, Florida. And when I got there, I sold it to like a CarMax and I was like, I got like $1,400 from it. And I started praying, God, what do you want me to do with this money? And I thought to myself, 
I'm just going to give it to some homeless person or like someone like, I don't want to travel with money. Mm -hmm. And I'd also been feeling like, as I had been praying about what to do on the trip, God had been bringing to my mind, don't take a tent and don't take any sleeping gear with you. Just go super <laughs> lightweight. And if you, if you, I was reading this passage in the book of Luke in the Bible. Um, and it said that like Jesus sent out these like disciples, there was like 70 of the of disciples that were really closely following Jesus. There was like the 12, but there was also a lot more. And so there was these 70 that he sent out and he said, don't take anything with you. Don't take money. Don't take extra sandals. Don't take a backpack or anything. Just go and preach that the kingdom of heaven has come near. So I started reading that and I was like, well, I'm doing this trip in Jesus name. And I am preaching that the kingdom of heaven has come near and which is gospel. And so, you know, I feel like maybe I should do something like that. If Jesus, you know, told other people to do that, why not me? I mean, it, like, what's the worst right. that could happen? I sleep outside for a couple nights and get like, freeze my ass off. Like, I'm not going to die, you know, and like, <laughs> I can go two weeks without food. And like, even if like, you know, I couldn't get food or anything, like I could still survive. It would be hell, but I could still do it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. And I'm not going to like buy a tent or any sleeping gear with this money. I'm just going to, you know, I sold my car and then I started, um, my buddy who was hosting me in Miami, um, Rick, he drove me to South Point Pier, Miami Beach. Um, it's like the most like Southern Pier in Miami. And so walked all the way out there. And um, actually, there was this dude with a longboard that was out there. And his name was John. And I actually just messaged him on Instagram yesterday. And um, I sent him this video because I told him I was doing this longboard trip mm -hmm. and I even got to pray with him and stuff. It was a really cool encounter and he had just lost a really good friend of his. So it was just really cool that I was able to be there for him and like just listen to him as like a stranger. And then he wound up um, joining me just longboarding down the pier. So we longboarded down the pier. And when I got there, I was like, all right, like I'm going to San Francisco. See you, Johnny. And like I, I started going, didn't have a sleeping bag, didn't have a like, um, a tent or any sleeping gear just had a small little backpack maybe two three pairs of clothes i had my bible i had um so a couple toiletries like i think i had a hat like a hoodie and like maybe a, one like raincoat or something like that so i mean I, it was like minimalistic like if you yeah. can go across america in a minimalistic way that was it like the backpack was like yeah, it was super small. I don't know all the milliliters and stuff, but it was a, it was very, very small. Um, and so I started longboarding that night. I, I made it to Rick's house. So he was 26 miles from South Point Pier. So he dropped me off in the morning with his car. Then I longboarded back to his house. Then the next day I longboarded from his house to um, all the way across Florida to Naples area. Mm -hmm. And Rick in the morning had given me a hundred dollars and so that night I bought a hotel then. So God provided a hotel so I didn't have to sleep outside. The next night I met up with somebody. Um, so during all of the, or during my thought of like longboarding across America, I had also taken a couple different trips with my longboard. I went to Florida one time and I had met a few different people. And so I kept up with those connections and this was like two years before I'd actually done the longboard journey. Mm -hmm. So I went back and met up with this lady named Stephanie and her daughter named Lily and um, they were Christians. And so I stayed at their house and the next morning they prayed over me and stuff and then like sent me off on my way. 
I longboarded up to Fort Myers and Cape Coral. And then it was like dark outside. I went, there was longboarding past this church and this dude yelled at me and he thought that I was someone else. But then I like rolled up and he was like, Oh, I thought you were someone else. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, what are you guys doing? And then I found out we were from both from Illinois and this was a cool pastor guy. And he was like the youth pastor. So then I went to this youth group and then I met someone there who hosted me for the night. Um, his name is Jorge. And then, um, so Jorge went to a college there. He was a college student. And then I wound up sleeping at his house that night. His parents were doctors. They had like an indoor pool and he had a ferret. And like, I slept in luxury that night. And I was like, what in the world? And then the, I actually, his mom talked to me and she was like, I'm so glad that you're with Jorge. Like I've been praying that someone like spiritual, like you would come and impact his life and stuff. And just in a positive way. And she was sitting with me and she had just blown up my mattress for the night. And she was sitting in the room with me and she was crying to me about how much this had impacted her. And I was like, wow, like that's pretty crazy. So then the next night I um, left or the next morning I left and and that night I slept underneath a pavilion for the first time outside, no blanket, nothing. It was like January. So I started a longboard trip uh, 2018 in January on the 18th. And so 1818. So it was January. It's pretty cold outside. I slept underneath this pavilion and there was like some cushions on these chairs. So I took the cushions off, put them on the ground on the cement. And I laid on those till about five in the morning and someone rolled up with their headlights and they like were shining them my way. I didn't know if they had seen me or something, but I just wound up putting all the cushions back the way I found them. And then I just left. And then the next night I slept behind a Walmart and I was sitting there with $1,400 in my pocket. And I'm like, God, why don't I just go get like uh, a hammock or a blanket yeah. or a pillow or like a sleeping bag or a tent or something. And he brought to my mind this conversation I had three years ago with this dude. And it was uh, about the couch surfing app. And so I got on the couch surfing app and um, I filled out the profile, went into Walmart, was using their Wi-Fi, filled mm-hmm. out the profile it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. Messaged this guy in Sarasota. His name is Bob. Um, he looked like an older guy and he lived in this retire this like mobile home retirement facility thing, but he could host people on the couch surfing app. And the couch surfing app's free. So if, if their travelers are listening to this and don't know about the couch surfing app, go to the couch surfing app, fill out a profile. I don't know how it all is with COVID now and stuff, but it was right. a great way to travel back in the day. Um, And it's all free and it's just like, you know, amazing people you'll come in contact with and you don't even have to host them. You could just meet up with them or whatever, but Bob was going to host me. So the next day I longboarded 30 miles to Sarasota, showed up his house about 5 PM. And then I made dinner, whatever we had dinner. And then we were sitting on his back porch and he was telling me his life story. And that's what I love, like sitting down and just hearing people's life story, like while I travel and, um, and so I was sitting there and he, he told me that, um, that he was a graduate of, um, this Jesuit college in Massachusetts. I can't think of the name of it right now. He was, then he went over to Europe in to England. Um, and he got a doctorate degree in law from Oxford university and he was 72 years old. Then he lived in Europe pretty much his whole life and started tutoring um, wealthy people's children. And he did that pretty much his whole life. And now he lives in Florida where his family's from. Um, and that's kind of where he's retired. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so then he told me his family had rejected him because he had come out to them that he was gay. And then he asked me, well, like, what do you think about like people being gay? And I was like, I will be completely, you know, straight up with you. Like, I don't think it's first off. I don't think, you know, you're weird. I'm going to try to like stay away from you or anything. And he was like, Oh no, like, it's not like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I totally like respect people who are, you know, have different sexual orientations. Um, I, but what I do believe is like one, I don't believe it's a healthy choice. If you look on Mayo Clinic, dot com it will say that the best way the most healthy way to live is a long-term homogenous relationship and so if you look at what the bible says about relationships is that um the most like moral relationship is a long-term homogenous relationship and so everybody draws their boundaries in different areas when it comes to sexuality Mm -hmm. even people who are homosexual um, you know, LGBTQ, those people wouldn't agree that it's right to have sex with an animal sometimes. Or some of those people would say that it's wrong to have consensual sex with, you know, kids that are, you know, underage. Or some people would say it's wrong to have incest or it's polygamy's wrong, but being gay is okay. So where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what I always struggle with. But what I believe that, you know, where the line is, is where the God of the Bible drew it. And that also, correlates with science and Mayo Clinic. And so I disagreed with this guy's lifestyle, um, Bob, but he became a really, really good close friend of mine. And I didn't reject him. He was like, dude, because you just said that, he actually respected what I said because I just laid it out to him straight. And I was like, yeah, I disagree with you, but I think that we can still be friends. And so he was like, I really respect that. I love that a lot. He's like, you could stay as long as you want. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I wound up staying at his house for a whole week. And we watched Harry Potter and we watched all these old like Godspell or whatever movies, like these things I'd never heard about before. But he just like was so into all those things. And I loved mm-hmm. every moment of it. And we would like, God brought to my mind, I want you to make him a dinner, like a meal every single night. So we went grocery shopping. And every night that week, I made him a different meal. And the last two nights, he took me out to his two favorite restaurants. So I was like, sweet. So we went out to this like Indian restaurant and then we went mm-hmm. out to this restaurant that was uh, seafood, had amazing food. And then the next day I was like, hey, dude, it's Sunday. I'm thinking about going to church. I don't always go to church. But th- like this morning I was deciding I was going to go to church. And so um, he was like, OK, yeah, like, can I go with you? And I was like, sure. So we wound up going to this church together. And it actually ended up being a really cool, like intimate community, like of, of a church. And he got connected with so many people there. This guy's 72 years old. And these people who were younger than him, you know, by 20 years and some 40 or 50 years, like were connecting with him and he met the pastor and all these people, like he really fell in love with it. And it was different because his family had rejected him, maybe because of their religion or whatever but this jesus community you know accepted him and i thought that was a really beautiful thing the next morning i wound up longboarding um to the next town 
And then I would keep up with Bob. And mm-hmm. so I would call him every couple of weeks or whatever. So about three months later, I was like, dude, like, how's it going? It's been a while. And he was like, I'm still going to that church. He's like, wow. They all asked like how I got connected. He was like, this longboard kid just showed up at my door one day. And then he invited <laughs> me a week later. So like I came now. He's like, I met the pastors. Like I'm in a small group. Like all these people know me. And he's like, and they even know who you are too. And I was just laughing. And then, um, I was like, I was thinking to myself, like just of that whole opportunity and how amazing it was to get him connected with that community. Well, three months after that conversation, I called him back cause I like to keep up with the people that I have encountered along my journeys. And I was like, what's up, Bob? And he was like, dude, it's not going so well. I was like, what happened? And he was like, well, I was going outside cause he's an older guy and I slipped and fell on my driveway trying to get the mail. And I broke a vertebrae in my neck. And so now I'm in the nursing home. And I was like, dude, I was like, that is terrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. He's like, no, like, it's okay. I'm recovering. And he was like, "Uh, my, you know, my family, none of them have come to see me. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he's like, Daniel, but it's not been lonely. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, six different people from that church you invited me to have come and seen me while I've been in this nursing home. I was on the phone, like, at this point, I was crying. I was like, I love you, Bob. (laughs) He was like, Daniel, he was like, thank you so much for, like, coming here and just showing me love and just, like, just being this positive energy in my life to connect me with this amazing community. And so, in a nutshell, that's what I really believe. I believe that, like, God's loved me, and so now I'm free to go and love other people the way that God has loved me. And that's what I believe that I did with, with Bob. And I, and I see the impact that it had on this guy's life and him and I very different people, totally different walks of life, totally different sexual orientations, like everything, but we could totally get along and be unified and find some common ground. And it was a beautiful, amazing thing. And I thought to myself the whole time, what if I wouldn't have trusted God? And what if I would have taken a tent or a sleeping bag or something? I would have been in Sarasota on the beach probably in a tent or would have found some woods and thrown up a hammock or something. And I would have totally missed the opportunity with Bob. I want to touch on, so you got, like you said, you guys are like different walks of life entirely. Um, How you were able to reconcile that belief system and still create this long-term lasting, thoughtful, um, meaningful relationship with this person. Yeah. I feel like in our world right now, that's a skill that should be learned by a lot of people. Come on. So what's bro. the secret? What's Preach the secret? It, bro, people need to listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, well, if someone's listening and maybe they have like a, you know, it doesn't have to be sexual orientation. It can be uh politics, you know, or it can exactly. be climate change. There's a lot of disagreeing going on these days. Yes. So like your advice Dude, to if somebody you can find one person that you can agree on everything with, that would blow my mind. (laughs) So it's like, you're going to find disagreements with every single person in this world. So it's like, just figure out where your commonalities are and where the common grounds are. Like, yeah, people totally need to start like unifying on the things that they can and just push the other things aside as much as possible. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you think the common thread is, you know, between you and Bob, for example, like what brought, what brought you together to like have this loving 
friendship that changed his life in your life? Um, man, I feel like a lot of people could answer this totally differently. Mm-hmm. And my perspective would just be the common thread is just like having my hands open to trusting God and not the God that other people want me to believe in and not the God that other people try to manipulate and say different things about or whatever, like the God that who has revealed himself to me. Yeah. I haven't gone to any priest or pastor or, or anybody. What I believe is that Jesus came to this earth and he lived the life that I couldn't live and died the death that I should have died in my place so that now I could have this relationship with this being, you know, who is totally different than me, holy being. And now, and he wants this love relationship with me. And so because of his son, Jesus, I mean, it's, it's really complicated. And I mean, it's simple, but it's complicated and stuff because of his son, Jesus, you know, dying on the cross for my imperfection, because he's a perfect God. I am an imperfect being. And so now Jesus Christ has taken my mistakes and my sin and has, you know, laid them, you know, down in his perfection on the cross. And so by his death, now I can live and have this relationship with God. And so you can hear that from other people. That's what I believe is, is the truth. Um, And people can disagree with me on that. Um, but you know, and that's totally fine and stuff, but, um, you know, I believe that that's, you know, the truth and that's the thing that allows me to have this relationship with God. And so now because of my relationship with this being God, who has revealed himself to me personally through my prayer, through my reading a bunch of different things, not just the Bible, so many different things point me to Jesus and point me to God. You look up in the heavens, you look at the stars, you look at creation, you know, whatever. And you see all the things that have evolved here and all the things that have, you know, come to be. And it points to a creator. It's like, you look at a building and it has to have a builder. You look at a painting, it has to have a painter. You look at anything in this world and you're going to say that thing had to be created by something when you look at the universe, I believe through that type of logical reasoning, you could say that this universe had to be created by something. And so I've watched tons of debates on this and everything, and I'm not trying to debate anybody. That's just what I personally believe is the truth. And that is the common thread that connects me with other human beings. And it's because that God first loved me. Now I can go and love other people the way that he's loved me. And what's the way that Jesus, that God and Jesus has loved me unconditionally, sacrificially, like fervently. So that's the way that I want to go love other people unconditionally. It doesn't matter what they look like, what their sexual orientation and what their political views are, what anything is, I can still love them. And what is love? Just doing acts of kindness without expecting anything in return. And so whether that's just, you know, a hello on the road, or that's making this dude meals every single night, or inviting him to a new community or whatever it looks like. And if you're doing it, because God loved you first, and now you can go, you know, love the way that God loved you, then that's the common thread. And that's what I would say, you know, it is. And that's how Bob and I connected, I believe. And, and he would probably have a different answer. So, <laughs> but it would be cool if he was on this right now. Now, 
you there's a lot of travel between Florida and California. And I'm sure there were some moments where oh, things yeah. were a little bit scary and like not totally, you know, like a Bob <laughs> experience or like a, you know, one of those, I followed along with you on Instagram and I was like, man, he's meeting some cool people. He's doing these things. But uh-huh. I also followed along where you were, you know, like on the side of the highway looking for scorpions and snakes. Um, what, were, what were some of the scary moments? Like you what were the times that? where you felt, oh yeah. What were the <laughs> things awesome, that like man. challenged you and, uh, and maybe did you have moments that like shook your faith at all? Um, yeah, there, I think that everybody goes through doubts. I think that no matter what you believe, if you believe, if you're an atheist, you're going to have doubts. If you're a, if you're, if you believe in God, you're going to have doubts. Mm-hmm. Every single person doesn't matter what you believe. Everyone has doubts. Everything's going to shake your faith and everyone has a faith to an extent whether it goes back to like you believing that, you know, this world came from little tiny specks that collided together, or there was a being who did that or whatever, you have to have some type of faith to believe something, you know, but anyways, yes, there were some times where my, you know, I had doubts or my faith was shaken. And like in those moments, you know, I just continue to remind myself of my prior experiences, how God has always taken care of me with my debt, with my, you know, vehicles and my housing situations and my finances. One time I prayed, God, please provide for me financially while I was doing this longboard trip. And the next day, a good friend of mine who had walked across America, his name's John Stoltzfus, maybe another good guy to interview. Um, and he, said, I've been praying for a while and saving up a thousand dollars. And, and I was asking God who to give it to. And I feel like I should give it to you. And I was like, dude, I just prayed last night that God would provide for me financially. And then two weeks later, he sent me a hundred thousand dollar check in the mail and God provided for all of my needs. So, and it was like radical stuff like that, where I would pray for something and boom, it would happen. And when it didn't happen and I did pray, like God doesn't always say yes. Right. Sometimes there's three answers. It's either yes, no, or wait. And so sometimes you get no for an answer, but every single answer is always for your good. And so that's what I just remind myself like, okay, he's not allowing me to stay at somebody's house tonight because this is for my good and like whatever that may be. And as I look back, I'm like, wow, if that wouldn't have happened, then like that wouldn't have happened. And that wouldn't, I was like, God, you like, And I just believe that God knew all of those things and just allowed me to go exactly where I needed to go. The first thousand miles of the trip, I didn't take a tent. Then I took a year long break. When I came back, I felt like I should take a tent. So the next um, about thousand miles through a portion of Louisiana in the state of Texas, I took a tent. And I think that's probably what you're talking about. And then I got rid of the tent at the end of Texas through New Mexico, Arizona, and California, I didn't have a tent. And there were some times where I had to sleep outside underneath the stars. Um, there was like, I think there was like seven nights in a row where I slept in a tent when I had it. And that was the longest I had ever gone. And then I started getting on the, the media and the news. And then a lot of people started like picking up on my story and stuff. And then pe- just random people would host me and everything. And, um, but yeah, like there were some times where I was like so sweaty and it was sticky and muggy. Yeah. And then I would have to like finally get to a, like, cause I didn't even know where I was going to sleep that night. 
And I would just pick a spot on the side of the road and I'm like, okay, this looks safe enough. Like no one can see me like way out in the middle of nowhere. And then I like lay down then you just start listening. And then you're just like, what the F is that? (laughs) Like you like hear stuff and like, dude, there was this one time I was sleeping in my tent. It was during this like seven days of like where I didn't have anyone host me. And that was the longest anyone had never hosted me, but it was actually a really good experience. And I'm glad that that happened. But nobody hosted me for seven days and I slept in this tent. And um it was just like a little like bivy tent. And so I'm sleeping there. Yeah, we should we sudden, should uh we should like clearly tell people what this tent looks like. It's not like a family Oh yeah. Multi- no, it's basically like you oh, slide your like, body into it. It looks like a sleep it looks like a like a sleeping bag that has like a big chest. <laughs> like around your chest, it just has this little canopy that's maybe, you know, a foot and a half off the ground so you can't even sit up in this thing right and um so i'm laying there and i put up right in between a highway and a bridge which was on a bridge and then there was like this ditch and then there was um a train track right next to me and so i just you know fell asleep and it was right outside this town called navasota texas and so probably 3 a.m in the morning all of a sudden like i'm dreaming and like half asleep and all of a sudden this train like is coming at me in my dream. And it's like, wah, wah, and I'm like, wah. like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. And then I, and then in my dream, I think to myself, did I set up my tent on the train tracks? And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I'm like trying to like free, I'm like freaking out and I'm trying to like get out of my tent to like save my life. Right. But then I start waking up and realize like, okay, no, I was just dreaming, but this train's going by like a hundred miles an hour and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy. And then the next morning, like I would wake up and I just would have like allergies and my whole face would just be puffy and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just take videos on Instagram. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm just yeah. going to post this. Like, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, just woke up and slept out here with the coyotes last night. Yeah. There were times I'd, I'd oh. uh, wake up in the morning and, and go through your Instagram account and I'd be like, man, this guy is, is rough in it. And I saw the moments where like, you were kind of, you know, like you said, living in luxury, people were taking yep. in you're you had that going on. But I, yep. I, I think specifically like through Texas, I was like, man, and Texas is huge. Texas is huge. Oh, yeah. That's also oh, where you had goodness. some of those moments where you did almost become kind of like a local celebrity. I felt like you're on like news <laughs> channels on the radio shows. Dude, that was well, nuts. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. First off, I want to say when I was all the way at the end of tech, the state of Texas, I was staying at these people's house and they were like, they were like, Oh yeah. Like our, um, our uncle or something is coming from Beaumont, uh, tonight. And it's taken him 13 hours in a car going 80 miles an hour down the interstate. And I was like, I came from Beaumont and I didn't even take the fast route. Like I detoured and stuff. Like that's how big the state of Texas is. You could drive 13, 14 hours and still be in the same place, in the same state. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I had my, my uncle was following me on my journeys on Facebook and he was like, bro, you need to reach out to the news and the media and stuff. They'd love to do your story. When people tell me stuff like that, what I typically try to do is just pray about it first. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, God, like, cause I have this personal relationship with this holy being. And I'm like, he's directing my life. I trust in him. 
I don't trust in pastors and priests and all these other people. I just trust in this person, this being who's, you know, brings things to my mind. And so I was like, if you want me to be on the news and the media, then you're going to allow it to happen. Cause like my story is going to be good enough. I don't need to tell anybody. And if you want me on there, like, then that's fine. And if not, then I just trust you that like that won't happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like you have to do that. Like, you know, in order to be holy or anything like that, I just felt like in that moment, that's what God wanted me to do in that moment. And so I just prayed that that day, this lady contacts me and said, Hey, my friend from Pennsylvania told me about you. Are you coming through Colleen, Texas? And I was like, well, that was another thing I prayed about. I was like, God, where do you want me to go? And I felt like he was saying, go to Colleen. So I just started going to Colleen. I was like, well, I'm actually on my way there right now. She's like, no way. She's like, you got to stop by. She said, um, I used to work for the, the, um, news channel here, the TV station here for 25 years. And I'm so well connected. She's like, I'm going to get you on ABC. I'm going to get you on a couple different radio stations. I'm going to get you in the newspaper. My mouth is like dropped. I'm like, literally just told God today that if you wanted me on the news, then like you would do it. And I wouldn't have to tell anyone. So apparently a friend from Pennsylvania contacted this lady in Colleen, Texas. And then sure enough, the next day, she had the news, uh, TV, news media out there, ABC 25, Hunter Davis comes out. I think she's now in like Dallas or something like that. She's, uh-huh. She actually went really big like in her career. And so um, she does my um, news. She did my news story, put it on um, the TV the next day. And I was watching it and I was like, what in the world? I've never seen myself on the TV. And the, my host... Um, Jenny, she was like, you're famous. And I was mm-hmm. just laughing. So at the end of that, they told people, um, oh, you, this is how you can contact him. And he's going to Abilene and then up to Lubbock. So the news p- people in between those places and Abilene and Lubbock and all those places, they were contacting me. And they were right. saying, yo, we want to do your story too. Cause that was like so good and stuff. So then, and it was actually like the number one um, viewed video on her Facebook channel for a really long time. I think it got up to like 10,000 views or something like that. And so that was really cool. So then all these other people started contacting me. So then I started longboarding down the road and I was still using my tent a little bit, but then more and more people were hosting me and like the couch surfing app, there was like, it was far and few between. There wasn't many Mm -hmm. couch surfers anymore, but all of a sudden like people on the side, like would see me on the side of the road and they'd stop their car and they'd look at me and they'd be like, are you Daniel Herman longboarding across America? And it was like, yeah, like I am. They're like, no way. They're like, I saw you on the news. And I was actually sitting outside this library on the phone with my sister, Audrey. And I had just got done praying, God, please provide me a place to stay. Like when I, um, like tonight, cause I don't have a place to stay. I had my tent, but I like, didn't want to sleep in my tent. And yeah. I was like, please provide a place for me to stay. But if you don't, like, I still trust you. And so like, I was, then I was on the phone sitting at this library and this lady walked up and then she was, she looked at me. She was like, did I see you on the TV last night? And I was in Gulfway, Texas. And I was like, yeah, probably. And she was like, you're longboarding across America, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. Then I had to hang up with my sister. And then she was like, I'm going to take you to see the mayor. And I was like, no (laughs) way. She was like, get in the car. So she brings me across town. It's like not even half a mile. It was like a small little town. So we go to the pharmacy. The mayor owns the pharmacy. And then I meet him, shake his hand. He gets the newspaper to come do my story. And then within an hour, four different people asked if I had a place to stay the night and offered me to stay at their house, including the mayor. And the first guy that asked me 
So God answered my prayer. So then the first guy that asked me, his name was Wayne Wallace. And he had the, he was probably in his late sixties or something like that, right around there. He had this straw hat. He was waiting for some medicine prescription. And, um, he's like, now tell me what you're doing. I heard that you're going on some skateboard, longboard. What is this thing? And I was like, well, you want to sign it? Cause what I had people do is sign the back of it. So I had all these people sign with, with a Sharpie, their signature, write whatever they wanted to write. Didn't matter. And so he like signed the back of it. And he's like, if you want, like, he was like, I just got done fishing. He's like, I'm going home for the night and I'll cook you up something. And he's like, you could spend the night at my place. And I was like, well, since you were the first person to ask me, like, I'm going to stay with you. So I go to his house and he's like, well, we're actually having a family reunion. And if you're too tired, you could stay here and go to sleep or you could come to the family reunion. So I go to the family reunion. I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to this reunion. (laughs) Absolutely. So I go to the family reunion. There's probably like 30 people there. And, um, so I'm hanging out with them. They're like, dude, this is not the family reunion. This is the pre-family reunion. Tomorrow (laughs) is when the actual thing happens. You have to come to that. And I was like, I'm going to longboard, you know, away tomorrow. They're like, you have to stay. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll stay. So then Wayne's like, yeah, you can stay as long as you want, man. And so go back to his house, spend the night. The next morning we wake up, we go to the family reunion. I walk into their garage. They have like a bunch of like these, uh, crock pot things going with uh with brisket in them barbecue brisket and they were like daniel they're like put this in your mouth so i like try a little bit of it and i I stick it in my mouth it was the most delicious delicious brisket i've ever experienced in my life my mouth was like watering i like have this thing in my mouth and i'm like whoa this is delectable and as i'm eating this i start turning and i look on the walls of this garage that i'm in right now and I see first place championship trophies for the state of Texas that this guy won from barbecue brisket. And I'm like eating it. I'm like, what in the world out of all the places that I could have landed? I landed the number one like brisket dude in the whole state of Texas. (laughs) I was like, what is going on right now? And then I just got to know like all these people while I was there. And then they took me on a tour like of their town. They took me to this tank. And I'll, have you ever heard of, do you know what a tank is? If someone in Texas says, let's go to the tank, do you know what that means? I would have no idea. Dude, I had no idea. I thought we were going to like a big fish tank or something. That's like this glass wall that's filled up. They're like, it's a really big tank. We're going to go swimming in it. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, we get there and basically it's a pond. <laughs> and it's like maybe a little bigger than a pond. And so it's almost a lake, but not really a lake. And so they just call it a tank. And I'm just like, okay, like whatever. They got the jet ski on it. We're jet skiing out there. I literally was sitting on a bench like the the day before praying that God would allow me to like just stay at someone's house. And now I'm jet skiing on a lake. And eating the best (laughs) brisket in Texas. On a tank. (laughs) Yeah. And so and eating the best brisket like you've ever tasted in your whole life. And I was like, oh my goodness, like God, like what in the world? And so, yeah, then that night, the friends brought me back to Wayne's house and I spent a couple of days at his house. And then I have this little video that I made because I like to make videos. You can see some of them on my Instagram. And um, so I had this video of Wayne and I woke up with him one morning and I was going to longboard away and he had made coffee and I was like, ah, oh, dude, I'm sorry. Like coffee when I longboard gives me cramps because it dehydrates me. So I don't take coffee when I longboard. And so then I got a video out and he was like, 
I made all this coffee for Daniel, but he's not going to drink it today because he can't because he's longboarding. And Mm -hmm. so today I get all the coffee and then the video like keeps going. And as you watch this video, like that day, I'm on the, on the road and this lady stops and she was like, are you Daniel Herman? Like I saw you on Facebook. She's like, here's $30. Like she gives me 30 bucks. She's like, I have a hair salon. My name's Kelly Wood. And she was like, I have this hair salon called the basement salon in uh, Brownwood, Texas. So when you get there, make sure you stop by, we're going to trim you up. I had long hair at the time. It was probably yeah. like your length. And so I had like it up in a man bun and stuff. She's like, if you need a trim, you need a wash, whatever, like we got you. So I was like, thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks for the 30 bucks. And like, she took off. Then like maybe an hour later, another lady stops on the side of the road. She was like, somebody told us that you're coming. I'm the person who runs the Chamber of Commerce in early Texas. And early Texas and Brownwood are right next to each other. And so she was like, so when you get there, come to the Chamber of Commerce. She's like, we're going to like, you know, fix you up right. And we're going to like make sure you have a great time in early Texas. So I get there. She has the radio station come out. She took me to another radio station, two radio stations. She got me in the newspaper. She had this little goodie basket that she gave me and stuff. She's like taking me all over the place, touring early Texas and stuff. She's like, we're going to take you to Lava Tana's. I already told the manager that you're coming in. She's like, you're like a celebrity, a celebrity <laughs> in this town already. I was like, what in the world? So we go to Lava Tana's in early or Brownwood, Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, I walk in there, I meet the manager. They're like, we're going to pay for your meal. They're like, it's on the house. We got table side guacamole, and which is really expensive to like, because it's like a added, it's not like free, but they gave it to us for free to our table. And I'm sitting there with this, um, this lesbian couple here. And then um, Denise uh, Hudson is next to me and she works with one of them. And um, I think her name's Taya or something like that. And so we're sitting there and we're having lunch and just enjoying tableside guacamole and like me and three other ladies and just like chilling. And then the manager paid for my meal and everything. Then we got a whole, all the, like a big picture with all the servers and everybody that was at the place and people were signing my longboard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on right now? How so surreal. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then Denise, she was like, where are you staying tonight? And I was like, well, I was going to maybe like look for a place to set up my tent or whatever. She was like, just stay with me and my boyfriend, Bob. So I was like, okay. So I go and stay with them. We wind up like chilling that night. And actually this is kind of crazy. So that was all like one day, mm-hmm. like, was with Wayne, then saw Kelly. Oh yeah. And then Denise, before we went to her house that night, she took me to Kelly Woods hair salon in Brownwood, which was only like seven minutes away from the chamber of commerce. And so we go there, they trim up my hair, wash it. I'm like laying back in this chair for the first time in my life. I've ever like gone to a hair salon and they wash my hair, but they washed all my hair. And then I'm like laying there and I'm like, this is amazing. Then Kelly, she had gotten me, she didn't know that I'd went out to eat at Labatanas. So she had gotten me a to-go box with like a BLT and like this like side salad thing. She got me all like fixed up and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is like too much food. Like I can't even (laughs) eat all the food that people are offering me. It's insane. And then she shoves her phone in my hand and it's on the Amazon app. She's like, type in the wheels because I see your wheels are a little bit like bad. So I want to get you new wheels and bearings. And so she got bought right there. I typed them in. She primed them, got me the wheels and bearings. 
gave them to me. I was like, what in the world? There was probably like a, it was probably like an 80 to like hundred dollar purchase. It was wow. insane. Yeah. So they like fixed me up like really nicely. I've actually been to that salon now three times and mm-hmm. gone back and see Kelly, uh, seen Kelly Wood and we keep in touch through Instagram and stuff. So if you're ever in Brownwood, Texas, look up the basement salon. They're awesome. Kelly Wood and the other people that are there. Um, so that all happened in like one day. And then I spent the night at Denise's house and met her husband or, well, they're not married yet. They're going to be getting married here soon, but, um, met her boyfriend, Bobby. And then actually that night, um, that night I found out that a friend from South Carolina had passed away. So then Bobby took me the next day to the clean airport. And then I flew out, went back to South Carolina. Then on my way back to Brownwood, I found out that a friend from New Orleans that I on the longboard trip had met, um, he had passed away and someone was in New Orleans with a gun and they wound up shooting him for no reason, just like straight up. It was crazy. And then when I got back, I was in Austin and, um, so already two deaths, it was crazy. Um, so then I was in Austin and I was posting that I was there and stuff. And then my friend, um, or this, this guy I'd never met before on Instagram, his name's Jared and we're friends now, but back then I met, didn't even know who this guy was, but he messaged me. He was like, Hey, I see you're in Austin, Texas. He was like, um, and that you, like, I've been following your journey and I saw that you made it to Brownwood, but then you had to go back to this funeral. And so if you're in Austin tomorrow, we can actually fly you back to Brownwood because Texas is so big that Austin mm-hmm. is two and a half hours away from Brownwood. It's That's how far of a drive it is. Mm-hmm. And by airplane, it's only 45 minutes. And he's like, we have a private airplane. And if you just meet us at the Austin airport, we'll fly you back to Brownwood so you can pick up on your longboard trip because you just come back from this funeral. So I was like, heck yeah, dude. So I, I was like, I just need to get a ride and a place to stay in Austin tonight. So I put on Instagram, hey, on my story, I need a place to stay tonight and I need a ride to the airport tomorrow. And two people, one person who had hosted me in Austin when I was coming through that area before, they hosted me again. And then a random person that I had never met, she picked me up the next day, drove me to the airport because she had been following my journey and then dropped me off. And I met up with this other Instagram person I had never met, got in their private plane, met his parents, flew back to Brownwood, got off, went back to La Batana's restaurant ate there again, saw the manager and everybody was like, Hey, and then we went back to their house that night. And then like the next day we were just hanging out. We were throwing disc golfs and we were disc golfing and stuff. And I wound up going into the woods, getting my disc. And when I came out, um, you know, I kept on playing. Well, the next day when I woke up, I woke up with poison ivy all over my arms and my legs and I was like, oh my goodness, this is bad. Because I've seen my dad get poison ivy and I've never gotten poison ivy before. That was, that was the first time. And I've seen my dad get poison ivy and it is bad. Like he's ha- he has it for like three to four weeks and it's like really bad. And I was like, this is like totally not good. And I knew what it was. I was like, I went and got that disc in those woods yeah. and I got poison ivy. I was like, this is really not good. So I went into the bathroom. I took a video of this. I was like, woke up at 7 a.m. It's 7 a.m., woke up. I was supposed to be longboarding, like continuing my journey that morning. And I was like, I woke up and got poison ivy. And um, so people were messaging me, what the heck? You got poison ivy? Like what? That's crazy and stuff. And then Jared, um, he went to work that day. And then um, he wound up coming. Or so then 
he was like, Hey, if you need a place to, you know, crash, you just stay here to figure out like how bad this poison ivy is going to get. Well, I went into the bathroom and I took a shower. I'm like, God, I was like, please heal this poison ivy. And then I went, I got out of the shower, took a nap while he was at work. When I woke up at 10 o'clock, I took, I, I woke up and literally all the poison ivy was completely gone. Like not a single trace of, not even a spot. Like it was gone, gone. I was like, that is insane. I was like, God, you answered my prayer. And then um, I took a video of it. So I even have video evidence that I woke up at 7 a.m. on this day with freaking like poison ivy all over my body. And then just four hours later was completely gone. And people were messaging me like, bro, what the heck? Like I have poison ivy for two, three weeks. Like it's, yeah. your, yours is gone in like four hours. What is this? So it was like, so funny. Well, then Jared comes back from work. Um, and during that day, the other thing that happened was when I woke up uh, from that poison ivy, I found out that my other friend from Pennsylvania had passed away. So three deaths in two weeks. And I, and since then I haven't had another person in my life that was close to me, like pass away. Mm-hmm. But in this three week period, I had three friends pass away, like back to back to back. It was crazy. So then I flew back to that. So then Jared took me back to Colleen airport again, just like Bobby had like the week before. And then I went to his funeral and this kid this is a really amazing story. His name is um, Trevor Heinrich. So the guy that gave me that $1,000, Jonathan Stoltzfus, walked across America with Trevor Heinrich. And um, they did that for like three years. And then when they were done, I was starting my longboard trip. Trevor give, gave me his neon safety vest for my journey. So I wore that the whole time. And then... Um, I went to his funeral because he had passed away. And what had happened was when he got back from his trip, he got um, this girlfriend and then he got engaged. And then right after he got engaged, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And like this dude doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything that like people would think that causes lung cancer. Such a freak thing. Both of his parents are in the health industry and are like, they eat really good, like food and stuff. So it was just crazy that he had gotten this. Mm-hmm. And then people were telling his fiance, um, Stella, like, you don't have to marry this guy. Like, if, you know, he has stage four lung cancer. Like, you know, you don't have to do that. And she was like, I've already committed to him. Like, and they weren't even married yet. It was so beautiful. And so they had committed to each other. And then um, they wound up getting married. And they were married for 10 months while I was on my longboard trip. They were married. And then after 10 months, I woke up that day with poison ivy. Then I was healed. And then I got the message that he had passed away. Yeah. So then I flew back to his um, to his funeral, gave Stella a hug, saw some other people. And then I was there for a few days and kind of just mourned his death. And then flew back to um, Brownwood, Texas and continued on with the journey. And I used his... Um, his neon safety vest the whole time. So then when I finished the trip, there was this little video clip that I shared and I was like this, you know, neon vest I wore the whole time. And it was like in memory of Trevor Heinrich. And he was a really close friend of mine. I didn't know him for super long, but mm-hmm. his story is phenomenal. And Jonathan Stoltzfus is his best friend who walked with him across America. And he has some radical stories um, as well. A lot like the stories that I'm sharing with you right now. Yeah. yeah. Man, I feel like we could probably 
we could probably sit here for like 12 hours to talk about all the stuff that you've seen. But Dude, I do want to ask. You haven't even heard my two greatest stories either. <laughs> we might have to do this again because. We're going to have to do a part two. Yeah, we might have to do a follow-up. Um, <laughs> I want to ask this question of you though, because it's come up several, several times and um, I don't fully understand it. And that's because I, I walk the lukewarm route and I hate myself for it. You know, I have okay. found myself deeply invested in my faith and I found myself to the point of almost like atheism. I've really been pretty much everywhere on the spectrum as you can be, except 100% yeah. in. Um, and I know, I think it's revelations. They talk about like, uh, you're neither, if you're, you're either hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, I spit oh, you yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, I, I, I relate to that because I feel like I question things a lot and I feel like I have a hard time fully investing. When you say something like, um, you say, I feel like God really wanted me to do this, or I feel like God was really pushing me in this direction for someone like me who kind of lives in this lukewarm zone, still trying to make decisions, still really trying to pursue, you know, my faith. Uh, what does that mean? What's that look like? Um, what, when God is pushing you or telling you to do something, how does somebody experience that? Dude, honestly, I'm really blown away that like in a great way that you would even say something like that because a lot of people wouldn't even admit something like that where they're like you just explaining the reality of your life doesn't change what you're actually feeling. If you're going to lie about it or if you're not, the reality is the reality and you explaining your reality is a really beautiful thing. Thank you. And I think that a lot of people are in your shoes, but they just wouldn't voice it, you know, in the way that you have. Um, and so the only thing that comes to my mind at this moment that like could maybe help is when I say that God brought this thing to my mind, some other people say God spoke that to me. And some people hear an audible, an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. Sometimes it's hard to believe that people actually do hear audible voices from, mm -hmm. from God, but I don't discredit that because I, how, how would I, how could I say that, you know, I wasn't there. Um, but what I can say is that the people that you spend a lot of time with, you will recognize their voice. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to spend more time with him. And what does that look like? Well, I think step one is what you just did. Talk to somebody who knows God, you know, and you can see my life and can see the fruit of my life. Think about the story with Bob, how like the love that him and I encountered during that time, or, you know, just different people that I've met along the way that I haven't, you know, exactly or been able to talk about or whatever. Um, but or even like Jorge or, you know, Stephanie or whoever it is. Just spending time with someone that you want to get to know and like going after people who know them. Like if you, if you want to know, like, let's say, uh, okay. What was that lady that you were talking about? The kayaker. Noria Newman. In, or Noonan. Okay. What was her first name? Noria Newman. Noria Newman. If you want to get to know her, 
a good way to get to know her would be ask people who like, let's, okay. So she's really busy this month. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, what if you were to talk to one of her really good friends that isn't as busy as her and just be like, Hey, you know, what is she like? And what would be some really good questions to ask her? And like, how can I even like figure out where she's at? And like, you know, how do I know, like, you know, what does she sound like or when she does this or, you know, just asking all those questions of someone who does know her is a great place to start. You know, another thing is just like going and meeting with her, setting up an appointment and saying, hey, I want to meet you. And so I can't be physically with you, but I can Zoom call this. So just doing it in the way that you're able to. And you know, if you want to continue that relationship, then just doing things that are, you know, out of the ordinary, sending her a letter in the mail or, you know, giving her a random phone call, just, Hey, or sending her like, you know, coffee or whatever it is, like just doing certain things that are sacrificial, like, you know, of your time and energy and money to like love this person. And so, um, in a way God wants us to do that with him. And so, everybody has a belief about who God is and, and what he is and everything. And so I've studied a lot of religions too. I've, you know, on my longboard trip, I stayed with a Satanist. I've listened to tons of atheists. I've stayed with atheists. I've talked to people who are Buddhists, who are Hindu. I've talked to people, you know, who are Muslim and all these different religions, Jewish people and all these different religions that are very big religions. Um, and what I found is that the most consistent and reliable religion, when you actually look at the evidence and don't listen to what your, you know, Christian friend is saying that doesn't really know what he's talking about, go to like the scholars, go to the books, go to like the library and start diving into that kind of stuff and finding out who God is. And the best way to do that is like, look at the people who he was around. Those people wrote books like you know, you said like, if I had a book that I'd been reading recently that I could say it on this podcast, I would challenge people to read the book of John, go to the Bible, read the book of John, that dude, I believe that dude actually lived. It's there's so much evidence that that guy lived just as much evidence that Nero lived or Caesar or George Washington, or, you know, all these people who have like, there's more evidence that Jesus lived than there is that Plato lived yet. So many people listen to Plato other than Jesus. There's like just very few things that we have of Plato. There's so much stuff we have of Jesus and people are like, Oh, he's not real or whatever. And so that's totally fine. If people want to you know believe that. But for me, what I found is that if you follow the reason and follow the, um, if you, if you are going and pursuing the truth, the truth will set you free. And what I believe is that Jesus is the truth because it's so logical and it's so reasonable compared to other things out there. If you were mm -hmm. to take all the other things and compare them, be like, wow, Christianity, I would put at 90%, you know, Jewish religion, I'd put at this percent and it's lower and lower, lower, whatever it is, you know, and like these ones way down here, I would think that for me, Christianity and Jesus is like the highest percentage of like the most reasonable thing that I have put my mind to and like, and dove into. Um, and so if you want to know God, just go after those type of things and think of him like a person that you're trying to pursue or like a girlfriend or a boyfriend or, you know, whoever it is, like think about how you would do it with them and how you would get to know that person and then try it with God. That's awesome. 
Thank you. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, before we go into the final questions, is there anything that uh, we haven't touched on? I know we got a lot of stories. Like I said, we might have to part two this thing. Uh, but is there anything that you want to get across today that we haven't had the opportunity to yet? Um, I guess like, yeah, just going off of what I said, like, um, people say that salvation and the gospel, you know, and, and different things are eternal life or whatever, what Jesus said, if you read the book of John, John 17, chapter 17, verse, verse three, it says this, uh, to know God in an intimate way and his son, Jesus Christ is eternal life. And so if people want to experience eternal life on this earth now and after death, um, a life of eternity, you know, not a life of death, not an eternity of death, but eternity of life, then knowing God, that is the key. And that's what I preach. And a lot of my Christian friends and people that I'm around will like have these five steps of like, gospel you know different things and these different cards and tracks and stuff and i just think it's like just know god and his son jesus christ because that's what jesus said mm-hmm. and really get to know him and ask him questions and just talk to him like i talked to him i mean we prayed right before this conversation that we're having i feel like this conversation has been amazing and i think that as I just put my faith and trust in God, the God of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ, like my experience of this life has been so radical and so, you know, changing. And I'll leave you with this last story. I was in Monterey, California. I had already gone 3000 miles across America. Every single time I would always put my longboard off to the side when I would go to gas stations or restaurants or whatever, I would never try to protect it. I just said, God, if you're going to protect my board, you're going to protect it. If you're going to get me to, you know, cross America, then nobody, ain't nobody going to touch that board. Mm -hmm. I got to Monterey, which is just 120 miles south of San Francisco, literally 120 miles away from my destination. And I'm there at a Starbucks and I hadn't seen my board in about 25 minutes. And I looked up and it was gone. No way. And I walked over to the door and I looked outside. I was like, my board is stolen. No effing way. So I walk outside, I look around. I'm like, this thing is long gone. No one's around. Like I look inside the store. I'm like, my board is like toast. So I go to the store manager. She says she can't give me the videos because I have to call corporate Starbucks. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I mean, my board is long gone now. And like, the only thing that that's going to do is just show me the person that took it. (laughs) And then like, I was like, now what do I do? Like I'm 120 miles away. I didn't even get to finish the journey. Like what in the world is going on? And so I walked outside and I took a video and I was like, I just got my longboard just got stolen from me. And um, yeah, it's stolen. And like, when I said that my heart sunk and I have it on video, I should, I should share that video with you. And so I was like, but it's just a thing and things come and go, but you know, God is faithful. And I believe that he's good, even through me getting my longboard stolen. And I trusted him with this. So if I trusted him with it, then that means that he's totally in this right now. And he totally knows that what's going on. Like this isn't catching him by surprise. (laughs) So I was like, God, when I, I was like, I trust in you and you are good like through this. But I was like, take me to the thief. And I prayed that. And I kept on walking forward. And I went, probably went a quarter mile away from Starbucks. And I can show you on the GPS exactly where I went. I took a screenshot of it. 
and I walk about a quarter mile away. And this person, whoever stole it, could have went in a, they could have got in a car. They could have longboarded to their house by now. They could have went any direction, north, east, south, west, wherever. I just walked straight and I said, God, take me to the thief. And I believe that he was going to take me to the thief. And I get to the coast and they're sitting on this bench are these two high school students and they had a longboard on their lap and they were reading the bottom of it because there's all these signatures and quotes and all this stuff and i did the double take and i was like no i was like that's my Uh, so i walk over there and i was thinking to myself i was like should i go up there and ask them for it i was like no that's my board i'm like i'm just gonna grab the truck and i was like and i'm not gonna yell at them and be like hey that's my board because then they'll run away i'm just gonna sneak up on them and so as i'm sneaking up on them i was like wait I got to get this on video. So I pull out my camera. No joke, bro. I got this on video. So I pull out my camera and I walk up to these two kids in Monterey, California, who had just stolen my longboard from Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I grab my board and they're like, oh shit, is that yours? And I was like, yeah, it is. They're like, oh yeah, we found that at Starbucks. And I was like, no, you stole it from Starbucks. And I walked outside and I prayed that God would take me right to the thief. And he did. And they were like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, I longboarded across America with this thing. And I was like, and there ain't no way that you guys are going to steal it because this board is blessed and protected. (laughs) And it has find my longboard app on it, like on my phone, like me and God connection, like this thing ain't going nowhere. And I was like, but guess what? I'm not mad at you guys. I was like, I kind of was pissed when I found like found out that my longboard was stolen. I wanted to smack. I was like, if I find this longboard, I'm going to smack the shit out of whoever stole it. Yeah, right. God, that's how I used to act. Literally, that's how I used to be. But Jesus has changed my life to now show love to people instead. And so this is mm-hmm. just a good example of how my life has been changed. Where I was like, I forgive you guys. And I'm not mad at you. I used to be a thief. I used to steal so much stuff. And I had to go back and for, and and give back money to the people and and companies and different uh, stores that I had stolen from. So yeah. I'm not mad at you. And I was like, I forgive you guys. It's all good. And I was like, Can I get a selfie with you? And they're like, Uh, yeah, let's do it. So I'm like, I get a selfie with them. And I was like, Can I pray over you guys? And they're like, Sure. So I prayed over them, got them on Instagram. They started following me. And everything. And then I went back to the Starbucks and I saw the manager who I had talked to about the video yeah. footage. And I was like, I found my longboard. She was like, no way. I was like, yeah. I was like, I went outside and prayed that God would take me right to the thief. And he did. And she was like, I'm a believer. And I, <laughs> so we were just laughing. She's like, I'm going to make you a free Starbucks drink on the house, whatever you want. So I got like this latte. She wrote on the cup, happy trails. Cause she knew yeah. about my journey and everything. And it was really amazing. Got a selfie with her. And it just like totally transformed my day. It was, it was a crazy story and how God was like faithful, even through, you know, the crazy things that happened. Mm-hmm. And the next day that kid on Instagram messaged me back and he apologized for stealing my board because someone two years ago had stolen his board. He felt the right to be able to steal somebody else's board. Yeah. And so, we, and so I just thought to myself, hurt people, hurt people. And so what I want to do someday is chase down that guy. And I want to gift him a longboard because that somebody stole his longboard a couple of years ago. And so yeah. now I want to gift him a longboard in return for stealing mine. Right. And that is the love that God has shown me. It's unconditional. It's sacrificial. 
it's sacrificial and it's fervent. And so that's the type of love that I want to share with other people. And I'm not perfect at that, you know, Mm -hmm. by any means, I fall far short of that, but there are times where I do do that well. And I think it's only because of God. What and I'll end it with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, you ready for the final five questions, my friend? These ones are simple. These are just uh, the final five. I ask them. Final five. Hit me. Uh, the first one you already kind of answered. Uh, where can we find you on social media? I'm going to tag those in the show notes. Uh, you do have a Sweet. very fun social media. Um, account to follow. So it's worth it. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug or bring awareness to? I know you said the book of John, if if people are going to read one thing, go out and read that. Go for it. Cool. The book of John. Uh, number two, what is your favorite outdoor activity and why? Ooh, um, outdoor activity. I mean, is it longboarding or do you prefer to do something different than that? Dude, I'm almost understand? kind of tired of longboarding, honestly. Yeah, I thought maybe. I, thought maybe. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get on a longboard again. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your dues. I don't know. It's just different all the time. Just, I just love doing new stuff outdoors. And I mean, I love going on walk, like long walks and stuff just to like get away or like riding my motorcycle or just like going fast down the road or... I don't know, like hiking. I really love climbing mountains, like mm-hmm. not like strenuous, like excursions, but just like uh, easy, like trail that will take you up. Like I did the uh, chief in Squamish, Canada one time that was right after uh, wild men adventure resort with Braxton, him and nice. I went to the chief and we just climbed up there and that was an amazing experience. So I love doing outdoor stuff, whatever it is. And I love hiking. Um, where's the favorite place that you've ever been outdoors? Do you have a number one? Yeah, I'll just say that. Squamish, Canada, bit the the chief and uh Mount Garibaldi. Uh that's just like 20, 30 minutes north of that is very, very beautiful. Squamish Canada, Canada, it's in BC. Nice. So yep. All right, question number four. What is something that you see today as a blessing that in the time that it was happening, you saw as a mistake? Leaving my longboard open at starbucks <laughs> that's awesome just like i wanted if that might out be in the open yeah yeah cool uh before question number five um dude i just want to acknowledge you uh for the love that you've brought to others for the joy that you continue to bring to other people uh i think you, life life is truly about the relationships and the joy that you get to share with other people and i think that you've really been like doing that on a level that is in- inspiring to others so uh, wow. i just want to acknowledge you for those things thank you for that acknowledgement i really appreciate that and mm-hmm. i would like to say to you i love that you're doing this podcast and i love following your social media and seeing the different um articles that you've posted i've read a couple of them and i just i love the person that you are when i saw you out on the river Menominee river, just guiding people down the river, the love and positivity that you would share with other people was really inspiring. And I think that even runs in your family. I remember meeting your dad and just the, the person that he is, he's super gregarious and so friendly with people. And just the, that type of energy that you guys carry is really a gift. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I love that you're putting it to great use through these podcasts. Cheers, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. Last question. You ready? When it's all said and done, 
Yep. You're long gone. And all we have left is your legacy to talk about at the campfire. What do you hope we're talking about? Dude, I want people to write on my tombstone without me saying this, but if I can just get people to know that I loved others, I loved my family and I loved God. Those are the things that I really care about. If I could just, I think relationship is the greatest adventure. Mm -hmm. I think I could go live in a desert with the most amazing people in the world. And I would have far better experience than living in Hawaii or San Diego by myself alone. Right. So love God and love others. If I could just be known that I did that with all my heart, that's what would do it for me. That's success. Heck yeah, brother. Cool. Cheers to you, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time tonight. Dude. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, bro. And that's that for another episode of Camping Out. Wow, what amazing stories. I'm always fascinated to hear the perspectives of someone who's taken on a journey like Daniel's of epic proportions to see what was most important to them all along the way. From stolen longboards and new friends, epic meals, Daniel pretty much got to see it all. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you're ready for new episodes as they come out. I'd be forever grateful if you could leave a five-star review for wherever you listen to the podcast. I am actually so blown away by the support and love coming from all of you that, uh, that listen week to week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll see you beautiful people next week. And remember, adventure comes to those who go.